Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is an Unspoiled Network podcast. This is Spoil Me. Covering One Piece. Episodes 397, 398, and 399. Major panic, desperate struggle at the auction house. Admiral Kizaru takes action. Sabayoti Archipelago thrown into chaos. And break through the siege, the Navy versus the three captains. In these episodes, well, I'm getting a team up of all of the other badasses on the island, and I am pretty into it. I'm excited. Welcome to Spoil Me. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. Thank you very much to Florian for commissioning this episode. Florian is in the chat today. Huzzah! Hi, Florian. Um, I just want to let everybody listening know that my pup got fixed today. This is Pippin instead of Sam. And he is in here, so if you hear some thunkings, he has a cone on and is uh, learning how to navigate. I will say, because he didn't have that, like cut on his side his cone isn't as big because sam had to have like a growth removed and it was easy for him to reach that with the shorter cone so they had to put this massive cone on him and that is not the kind that they have given pippin which i am really grateful for because that thing was so difficult to deal with so there's that but if you hear some uh, odd sounds in the background he's like pushing his food bowl around as he tries to figure out how to eat out of it and uh, probably will knock over his water bowl at one point or another. He's figuring it all out. I'm hoping he'll just lay down and go to sleep. Um, so <laughs> Seraphim says, our pupper just got the uh, same thing like two, I'm saying thinking two and a half, two weeks ago. Um, watching him try to deal with the cone was fun. Yeah, it's like, it's alternately fun and so pitiful that it like breaks my heart, you know? It's, uh, I, I, I never really know how I feel about it because then there are the times, especially with the big one that Sam had, where he basically was like 
a snowplow, like anything that he touched, he'd scoop up and fling around and he'd like run after me and slam into the back of my leg. So I had all these like horizontal thin bruises because he just kept slamming the edge of his cone into my legs. Um, so anyway, that is what's going on there. And this guy, maybe, maybe I should just take this away. How about we're going to take that away so that you don't keep... You had a little bit to eat. They said not to give you too much, so you go lay down, and we're just going to... He's looking at the door. He wants to go out. You're not going out. You're just going to stay right here with me, baby, so you better lay down. <sighs> I'm sorry, everybody. I feel like this is probably what it must be like to deal with somebody who just had a kid is the first 10 minutes of every conversation are always going to be about where the kid is now, what the kid is doing, how the kid's health is, what you just did with the kid, how the kid's been feeling. It's just a lot of maintenance. Um, so these three episodes, I was glad to see that we had three on the docket for today because they are very, very action heavy. So there's a lot that you can sort of blow through, pun intended. Um, I also wanted to mention that we don't get the opening with the like gold pirate Roger, you know, that's like been at the start of every single episode for since this began. And this is a, it feels so different. I tend to skip the opening. So even though I skipped the, I, I kind of expected it to not matter that much, but it does. There's like, I don't know, even just scrolling through it and not seeing that come up feels weird to me. Um, but yeah, we pick up right where we had left off after Luffy punched the celestial dragon. This, the punch heard round the world. So damn satisfying. And, uh, Basically what happens, like long story short with just the immediate future here, is that Luffy looks around and is just kind of like, sorry about that, everybody. You know, some motherfuckers just need to get punched. I was happy to oblige. And now we can all just move on. And he's very like casual about it. We have a, a slow pan over all of the people in the audience that were like going to be bidding and then over the other celestial dragons and then, of course, over our friends. And we get to see the variety of reactions. So the people in the audience, their mouths are hanging open and they're totally stunned and terrified. Our friends, for the most part, are just grim-faced. The people who look really flipped out and scared are Kami and Papagoo and uh, Hachi. But as for our people, it's just sort of like, yeah, well, you know, this is what's going to happen when you, like, fuck around in front of Luffy and we're used to it. And uh, I really, really enjoy that Law, what's his name, guys? Trafalgar Law. He's one of the few that just sort of smirks. There's a very Zoro energy to him. He is so loosey-goosey. He seems like the kind of person, it's not that he doesn't feel the, the impact or importance of things. It's more that 
he approaches everything in the same sort of attitude because there's nothing to be gained by like freaking out or panicking. And then you've got other people who, I mean, kid for his part thinks this is great. He's enjoying this, but that dude Capone is uh, ready to flee the Island as we see in, I think the next episode he's, basically going i am not one to wait around for the fucking admirals to get here so why don't we just make like a tree um and zoro he had his sword drawn and he just says to luffy well you beat me to it because i was gonna do something anyway which i sort of like that happening in the background like him just sort of you want to be like, Luffy, what are you doing? You lost control. You made a promise. But it turns out that, like, if Luffy hadn't done something, I do think Zoro would have done something anyway. We saw him, like, go after this same dude in the street. But at the time, he didn't know who the guy was. He was stopped and warned about it all. And the fact that he knows now and is like informed about what the consequences would be and was still going to do the same thing as Luffy. This is the, a nice reminder for me. Cause sometimes, you know, it's not that I ever go, why is Zoro teamed up with Luffy? Because I totally understand how this happened, but every now and then, because the two of them have such a different approach and attitude to things overall, it can be sort of a weird pairing to me. And then the, the, there's these moments where it's like, oh, no, it's just the sheer morality of like, hey, I want to do the right thing. These people are terrorizing and enslaving other human beings and they deserve to be punched or sliced with a sword. And that is what we are going to do because it is the correct way to approach this. And... I really, really enjoy, um, ooh, sorry, Gus says, I'm not sure if you started to use Crunchyroll yet. Not yet. I keep meaning to and forgetting until, like, it's time to watch and I don't have time to switch. Um, but all of the Sabayoti arc should have had a new intro that is different from Thriller Bark's intro. I don't think they show it on the Netflix Hulu version because of licensing issues. Oh, see, the intro I don't tend to watch because it's, like has spoilers in it i think that you guys told me with the thriller bark arc to not bark arc uh i think that brooke was in the opening and you guys were like what the fuck with the spoilers on this so you told me not to watch it so i kind of avoid the openings anyway the only thing that i'll do is let it play while i'm like you know making my tea before i sit down or something so i'll hear the song but i won't see the the actual like animation um so anyway this this uh scene of everybody like kind of <laughs> there's an almost calmness and then frankie says well that's that i guess we're fighting and i y'all there's something very wonderful about the shift in our friend's attitude because you know at the start it was always shock and horror and what are you doing i can't believe it and as time has gone on 
it's grown into like, well, we know our friends can take care of themselves. We're not worried about Luffy. I'm sure he's going to be fine. He's an amazing fighter. To I knew it was only a matter of time before he did something that was like basically going to ruin everybody's days. Um, and the the nobody seems to hold it against him at all. I think that's my favorite part. There isn't a soul on our team going, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. Everybody is just in agreement with him, it feels. I'm like, yeah, sometimes motherfuckers do need to get punched. That is a fact of life. And I'm glad to be on the team of the guy who punched that piece of shit. Um, so Chopper is like, all right, look, I'm going to get to Hachi and try and like tend to his wound. But Frankie, you are going to have to find the keys to unlock Kami's collar because it's all well and good to say that we're going to break her out of here. But if the collar goes off, then what's the point of all of this? And the celestial dragons are over here like they're watching this whole proceeding. And the girl says no one has ever laid a hand on Charles, uh, not even you, father, which... um. There's something about the, like, addition of he himself has never even, like, hit his own son, which it's funny that we have to expressly say that because beating your kids is just taken for granted to a lot of people. But also the fact that he is treated so gently that his own family is also kind of like, well... I would never, I would never disrespect you, which does kind of throw a different light on the whole thing. Um, but all of them, like they, the two of them get up and are basically firing wildly at Luffy. Luffy isn't dodging. He's just such a bad shot, I think. And he's just firing in his general direction, but none of it's actually hitting, which is, I can't tell if he's trying to hit him or if it's just trying to fire warning shots in order to like intimidate him um and Sanji at this point jumps in Sanji does so very much kicking in this section at one point he says he's going to need to go to a cobbler and I actually did really like that joke even though it is such a, it, it, like I get what they're doing with it because you know oh my shoes but uh Cop guys, is there a cobbler anywhere near you? I'm just curious about in this universe. I'm guessing cobblers are all over the place. It's fine. Luffy's or Sanji's concern here. He will be able to probably go out on this very island and find a cobbler that fixes tourist shoes. But it just got me thinking how different our whole culture is around so many things. And shoes are such a major one. Where we have like, you know, really cheap footwear that we just designed to fall apart eventually. And nobody seems to get things repaired anymore. Which I can't really blame because the price to get things repaired is probably more than it would be to just buy something new at this point. Because of how much we're exploiting sweatshop workers to get our cheap clothes to begin with. But it just made me sort of sad for a moment as, as I was like... If we had cobblers, you know, Sam's chewed up a couple pairs of my shoes in this very room while I've been recording. 
And it would be nice if I could just take them to somebody who could, you know, fix them up for me. And just had, gave me a little moment of like, oh, that's uh, something that I, I think is kind of going to be gone forever, except for specialty stores that do like designer shoe restoration and repair. Um, so, of course, this is when the whole audience starts to flee. The security guards are coming in and then we've got one of the Tweedledee looking guys from the back where the slaves are being kept. He comes in and whispers to the other guy who is just like, are you serious? And then we go to that back room where Rayleigh is sitting next to that giant and he is shackled, drinking out of his flask and then he flips the flask over and shakes it and says all out well that settles it and the giant says settles what but as we see basically Rayleigh was was planning what he was going to do was let himself get sold steal the money that they bought him with and then rob the people who bought him, which I desperately want to see. I, the only downside to this ruckus that my friends caused in this auditorium here, which was all very well deserved and correct, and I am not mad at them for it. The only downside is that I didn't get to see him rob the entire joint and then rob somebody horrible face to face. I really wish I had at least gotten like that little bit of petty gratification because that sounds hilarious. And apparently he's done this before. So I, you would really think that they would learn not to like sell him because he's a troublemaker, but maybe he was able to sort of keep it on the DL that it was him that pulled the whole thing off. Um, so yeah, he, as we find out later, Basically, just waited until the booze was out and then is like, well, I guess that's game over for this. And transitions to the I'm going to fight bitches part of his evening. Meanwhile, we've got everybody running around and getting into the fight. Uh, Frankie is just being dogpiled. He's shooting his like crazy hand that's a, on a chain that shoots out and, and breathing fire on people. And... Uh, Shalria, the, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The other celestial dragon. She calls it senseless violence, which is just so, I know that it's not really meant to be anything specific. You guys like this is just meant to display a certain personality who like pretends to be extremely delicate about certain things, but is willing to do horrible shit themselves and so is just the height of hypocrisy but it really touched a nerve as of lately how many folks out there are just like there are so many fights for civil rights that are going on in such a variety of different ways and even just things like the writer's strike right now which is not about civil rights but just about like getting paid for your work fairly from people who are billionaires and just don't want to fucking share, which is what it comes down to. And there are so many people. It's shocking to me because I, you know, 
I live in a bit of an echo chamber and I'm okay with that. It's fine. But I forget how many folks there are still out there in the world who really believe that if you just work hard, everything will be fine, which is just such a joke. And who also think that like all of our racism and sexism that our country is literally founded on is a thing of the past. And that anybody who is like talking about it today is they are the ones responsible for dragging it out when we could just move forward and be totally colorblind. And that's just, it's so not the reality. And those same people will call protests and rioting senseless violence. And it's like, there is so much sense to it, actually. These are people who have been oppressed in every sense for hundreds of years and they are fucking sick of it. Like, there's just no more just cause than that. And yet you get these pearl clutchers who really think that by, like, preaching pacifism, they're somehow more elevated instead of being actually empathetic and understanding that violence is the only thing that has ever gotten anybody their rights when they have been oppressed by an outside party. That's the only thing that's ever worked. Like, you know, so anyway, um, Kratos says you could argue worker rights or civil rights. Oh, I definitely would, but I just wanted to be clear that that wasn't exactly correct. But yes, I think that they should be included. There is, look, you guys know how I feel about all this. So I'm not going to chew your ear off, but, uh, this writer's strike, did you guys see recently? I think it was yesterday morning. It was going to be like, you know, 90 something out there on the sidewalk where they were going to be picketing. And there were a stretch of eucalyptus trees that were providing shade while they stood there. And the studio paid somebody to come down and cut all the branches off the trees so that there's no shade. And just, just to be fucking assholes. And like those trees are city trees. They were not owned by the studio. They're not property. They're not part of the property. They were city trees. So by doing this, they've like broken the law and are probably going to get either fined or if the trees are killed by this action, which they may be, they will have to pay to replace them, which is like but they don't care. They're willing to spend that money. They just don't want to compensate workers. We'll spend whatever we need to just give you the finger and make your day worse on the pettiest, most childish level possible. But we aren't going to consider giving you residuals on streaming. Like, truly so gross. Like, it's it's almost cartoonish that kind of behavior to me, you know, um, writers and actors now, says Seraphim, yes. And Gus says it's time for tree law. Yeah. That was like the, I saw this photo on Twitter and it was nothing but tree law in the responses and all of these different like comics that have been done about tree law and infographics and stuff. But the thing is tree law, what it comes down to almost always is you have to spend a lot of money to fix it. And there are, assholes like this who are fine with that they'll spend the money to fix it it's no skin off their back 
they just want folks to suffer. That's literally all it's about is making them suffer before daring to ask for fair compensation for the work that earns them millions and millions of dollars. It's really so fucking guys. I just want to know what on earth is wrong with people who don't want to share. I really, I really do like there's something wrong with you. And I feel like we should develop some sort of medication where if you take it, you suddenly feel empathy and care about other people where you couldn't before. And then maybe things would be different. Maybe that would change things. I would just like some empathy pills. And obviously, these folks would not be willing to take them because they'd think they were full of nanobots or something. So we'd have to, like, sneak them into their drinks like they, we were roofing them. But, you know, there are times where I feel like involuntary drugging is not okay. This is a time where I'm kind of like, mm, I feel like I could turn a blind eye to that. I think uh, empathy pills are one where I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Um, anyway, wildly off topic. Sorry, everybody. Uh, so Nami is over here. She's like on her back and it's such a weird pose. I was trying to figure out exactly because she like fell in amongst the seats. So there are a couple of guards that look over at her and are about to strike her, but she has got her, uh, climb attack. And so they are wearing they're wearing armor and she is able to attack them with lightning, which uh, unsurprisingly is very, very effective when one is using armor. And she stands up after this attack and says, sorry, and sticks her tongue out in a way that like, I don't feel like we've ever seen from her. It was a weird little moment. Um, But anyway, so uh, this is when Roswald, who is the celestial dragon with the like sunglasses and the the really huge mustache, this guy is a uh, his look is really weird because his mustache is black, but his beard and his hair are blonde, and he's wearing earrings, but then he's got these like sunglasses. So there's like almost. If I were looking at him minus the rest of his clothing choices, there's almost like a biker look to him. But then he's got this outfit that's so ceremonial looking. And it was, it's just such a strange contrast. But he says, why can't you just accept your fate? He's mad that they're even bothering to fight back. And this is when Luffy yells at him, our friend isn't for sale. So he says to summon the Navy Admiral and the warships will make these pirates suffer. Then we jump to the outside where we've still got Usopp on the way with Brooke. And you guys, they're getting a report via a transponder snail and they're describing all of the people who are already there. And they call Frankie the exhibitionist because he's wearing the speedos. I fucking died. I don't that. I don't know why that got me so bad. I think the reason it got me is because like 
focusing on on looks and what somebody's wearing in a shaming way has been really reserved for the women in this show and for it to be applied to him was like very unexpected and I couldn't even really blame them because he is literally just walking around in underwear so it's a bizarre choice and sure you could kind of look at him and go what what the hell is that about um but yeah that fucking cracked me up and it turns out that Usopp who I really I didn't expect this reaction from him Usopp is basically like I can't believe just me Brooke and Robin aren't there we're gonna be the last ones to arrive I can't be last come on and he starts to fight with the guys whose flying fish bike he's riding on. Now, it makes sense in terms of the fact that he wants to look like a hero. And so the way he phrases it is like the great Usopp can't be late. But I expected fully for Usopp to be kind of like, because, you know, he still does get afraid. And we do see that here once he's, like, on the roof. Because he's got a height thing, which I deeply sympathize with. But I really thought he was going to be more of the attitude, like, oh, good, by the time we get there, we'll be, like, able to just help them clean up the mess and we won't have to worry about this. Um, so... Oh my god, you guys. I don't know how I didn't notice this. Rayleigh, on his way in, he bumps into one of the guys and he pickpockets him. I saw him, like, take the money, but I don't think I quite realized that it was the bumping into him that, you know, that was him pickpocketing him. So I said that I wanted to see him rob the person. I got to see him rob somebody. Not quite as satisfying because... There wasn't the benefit of the guy knowing what was happening to him as it went down, but it's still pretty good. Um, but yeah, so Usopp's like urgency to get there, I just genuinely found surprising because I expected him to be very willing to sit back and let them take care of it for the most part and then just like swoop in at the end. Um, like the, the fight, like this is all just our guys right now. But the other pirates are around and we're just not really seeing them participating in things. We have Zoro cutting off the top of the tank that Kami is in. And I want to say in the midst of all of this, Disco is still just standing on stage watching and isn't making any moves, isn't defending anybody and is agitated at seeing that Kami is looking like she's on the brink of being let free because he thought he was going to be getting millions of berries for her. At this point, all of the pirates who have been standing around just sort of watching everything chime in with their feelings about Luffy. And there's some real respect, especially they had heard about how crazy Luffy was. And a lot of them were... I think expecting those to be sort of exaggerated stories, but this man has just started an entire showdown in this sales room is the way that I keep thinking of it. Amphitheater. And it's proving that he deserves the reputation that he's got. 
And that's just really fun. I enjoy whenever Luffy gets to like prove to people, oh no, I get called fucking nuts for a reason. Um, so they, the, the next issue that we've got to deal with is the collar on Kami because they busted her tank open, but the collar obviously, and, and this is something that like the, we don't actually find out how he did it. And I'm assuming that it's just hockey control, which I don't even still really get what that means, but it's okay. Um, but Frankie is like desperately looking for the keys in this scene and everybody is yelling at Rayleigh not to do it because it's explosive and he's coming toward her and they're freaking out. And I just was like, look, I get it. He knows what's going on. I have no doubt he's going to know how to take it off her without killing her. But I really would have appreciated it if he would just have spoken to them and assured them that he knew what he was doing instead of swooping in this way and making everybody think that she had died. Because when he does take it off, it doesn't kill her, but it still explodes and it looks really bad for a minute. So Papagoo is like, oh my God, Kami, and starts crying, understandably. And then it turns out she's perfectly okay. You could have just said, you could have just spoken to them, sir. It didn't, you didn't have to be this way about it. Um, there is a bear. Beppo. Beppo. I will admit to you all, I thought at first was a person in a costume. Now, it may still be, but I think Beppo is meant to be an actual bear, perhaps a person who was turned into a bear. I don't know. But he is fighting with Trafalgar Law. And his whole vibe is so strange. Like, the first time that he's mentioned, I think Luffy is the one who says, like, what's with the bear? And he blushes and seems like really um, uncomfortable with attention having been drawn to him. And then later on, when they're fighting outside, a couple of the, I think it's like some of the Marines are asking how he knows how to talk. And he stops and is like, yeah, I know it's weird. I'm sorry. And like apologizes to them and is weirdly shy about it. And just, I, I don't really know what to make of Beppo, who I don't think it's a costume because he blushes on his face. However, that could just be like anime speak. And it it's just, you know, not physically possible, but they're just trying to get you to understand how he's feeling. Um, Seraphim says, Beppo is the best boy. When I got to the reveal of him the first time in the manga, I laughed so hard I woke up my roommate. He's just like, yeah, he's uh, got a real sort of like cinnamon roll energy to him. But I'm like, if you are a cinnamon roll, what are you doing here? What's what's happening? I say that, but Chopper's here. So I don't know. Um, so meanwhile, everybody is like gathered outside of this giant amphitheater and the, some folks are mad because they like, you know, bought slaves and they didn't get them. Some folks are worried because the celestial dragons are still stuck inside and 
they think that we should be prioritizing saving them, which, wow, way to be a bootlicker. Um, and inside, Law and Kid are both kind of like, oh, you know what? This was a pretty impressive show you put on. I can't help but be impressed. This whole thing. We didn't expect anybody to just go and kick a celestial dragon's ass today. And at this point, Robin has gotten here and she recognizes them and is so informing the rest of the team which one is which. And Kid, being the one with a higher bounty than Luffy, gets Luffy's attention. That's something that Luffy's very curious about. While they're all distracted here, the fucking girl dragon has come up to Kami and is planning to shoot her inside the tank. And I am not really... She she is like saying, this is the worthless fish that drove them to such extremes, so I have no choice but to kill it. Which uh, is... I, it's just weird logic to me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just, she just wants to kill something, is really the vibe that I've got. Disco for his part, it's just like that mermaid is my entire future. Oh my God, please don't kill it. And Shalria has her gun cocked and is just about to pull the trigger. Indeed, I think she does pull the trigger. And there is a weird moment again of like something interfering but no, nobody actually struck her or did anything. And she just falls backward unconscious. And it's the hockey as a weapon again, which Usopp later is like, is it magic? And I'm like, I think that's as good as you're going to get in terms of describing this. Like, it's basically magic. Um, but... She goes down, so we have got, I think, every celestial dragon in the place is unconscious at this point, if I'm not mistaken. And this is when Rayleigh comes walking in, and also the giant, like, breaks through the wall in super dramatic fashion that I was a really big fan of. If you're a giant... And they were about to say, sell you as a slave. You have every right to break as many walls as you want walking from place to place. That just feels like the way you should be handling things. Indeed, a guy this size being sold as a slave, I feel like he should have been able to get out of that at any point. Um, but yeah, so 
really strides in and is just like, all right, well, I got my money. I guess I'll head out and I'll just go gamble and toss it all down the toilet again. And then he spots Hachi and is like, wait a second, what's going on here? So it's kind of funny because it seems as if all things considered, he would not have gotten involved if it weren't for knowing personally somebody involved in the fight. Which I don't have a problem with, to be honest. Now, we get more of Rayleigh's personality in the, these, like, couple of moments. He laughs about, like, what? how much money could I even have made stealing what they paid for me when I'm such an old man? Nobody would want to buy me anyway. And, and there's a lot of joking around from him. And there's a sort of, like, smiling ease of the way he handles things where it's got i uh, he's just so confident you know and i'm just going to say right here that while Rayleigh may be a graybeard i don't know man i kind of have a crush on Rayleigh i think i think i'm kind of into him and like he looks way older than his wife, but I get it, wife. I get it. Good for you. This dude, I don't know. He got something. He really do. Um, so, yeah, this is when everybody else begins to understand who Rayleigh actually is. And just not what you would have expected. I mean, he certainly isn't. And as he begins to put together all of the things that are happening and what was going on with Kami, that's when he's just like, all right, well, Hachi, you were fighting for what you believe in. And I guess these folks with you are the ones who stood by you. And then he says, all right. And just sort of squints and every enemy in the room just goes down. It's like nothing. It's nothing. And both Kid and Law, who, they have been substantially impressed by Luffy's performance. This really gets them going, oh, dang. Oh, dang. I, oh, we, hmm. I didn't think he could do, and of course, all of our friends are like, who is this? What the hell is he doing? Um, and except for Luffy, who is just looking at him and he seems to like know what the hat means. He says it suits him. I've I, and he says, I've been wanting to meet you. And he calls him Monkey D. Luffy. But, you know, he could have found his name on any poster. So that's not necessarily something significant. Um, And then when we go into the next episode, uh. We have the mobilization of the Admiral and, of course, all of the other pirates across the islands deciding what they're going to do. And I mentioned already that Capone is fleeing, Bonnie is fleeing, it seems like, and Capone is like, he's the one who seems... I don't remember what his bounty is. It was sort of low on the lower end in comparison to everybody. Is that right? I don't remember. Bonnie, for her part, because she knows that like 
Zoro already almost fucked it up for everybody and she was able to stop him, that they're probably, it's like the same people involved again. And she's just like, if they, if I see them in the new world after all this shit, I am going to beat the ever loving crap out of them for this. Like we had a good thing going here where we were just chilling. And now we have these people coming down on our heads. It did not have to be like this. And she, I think is very understandably put out. Um, Apu, the guy with like two elbows on each arm says that he wants to like stay and see what happens. And then there's Hawkins who says that, he wants to stay because he is not destined to die on this day. I just want to point out the fact that he doesn't, he says, I am not destined to die this day. He doesn't say none of us are destined to die this day. I feel like if I worked for him, I would really take exception to the fact that whether or not I was going to die was simply a non-factor to him. I think I'd be a little bit annoyed by it. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Gus says, Rayleigh being like, oh, I didn't see you there, and it's impressive you withstood that to Law and Kid's crews, implying that he precision target targeted everyone except for the Straw Hats. Uh, except for the Straw Hats, Hachi, and Kami with hockey. He's so cool. I don't even think I noticed that he said... I didn't see you there. I'm going to be honest. I think I must have missed that. Um, and I'm on the next episode now, so I'm not going to go all the way back. But <laughs> the fact that he was just like, yeah, I'm going to knock all these motherfuckers down. It makes sense, though, because I don't know. Maybe if you've got like devil fruit power also, it may help withstand the force of this. Because as we find out, they do have powers. Um, and what's sort of interesting to me, like speaking on the fact that they have all, they team up in this section is a lot of times, you know, I'm a big fan in general of the whole, like people who were enemies throw in with each other just for going up against this one particular enemy. And usually when I'm a, like why I'm a fan of that is because I, love to see people whose personalities I otherwise like a lot of the time, like with Loki, for example, if we're going to go big MCU property, Loki is just a really fun character. And though he is a bad guy and though he is very selfish and, you know, always going to fuck you over somehow, he is also extremely entertaining. So when he throws in with our people, I'm going to be cheering just because I like him. And the fact that this team up is coming so early, I haven't gotten a chance to really like develop an opinion on kid or law. So the team up isn't really paying off in that respect because I don't have a particular attachment to either of them as people. It's just, but it does afford the fun of seeing people who are fighting on our side and getting the surprise of what their powers are and how they work in the moment, which is pretty fun to find out about. Um, <laughs> so the, we're, we're, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, there's, you know, the, the Marines are getting the, 
the notification about everything that's going on on the island. And um, they are discussing like the celestial dragons being taken hostage, which uh, it didn't occur to me that it would be seen this way. But it makes sense because they're like in the building with them, I suppose. It's just kind of funny because I was not, you know, I wasn't thinking about it in that way at all. Um, so Kizaru, who is the guy that's like talking about this, he is wearing this like yellow suit. He gets up and he says, don't worry, I won't be gone for long and strides out of the room. I only saw at first his lips as he's like drinking from a cup of tea. And I thought that he was going to be the, uh, ice glacier guy, but not so. He's a completely new person. I don't know if we've ever seen him before. You guys can let me know. He didn't like, I didn't remember him at all. We do get Doflamingo who is talking to Disco and Doflamingo apparently had been like in with Disco for a minute, but he at this point is like you, because Disco is saying, I'm going to be ruined if you don't take care of this. And Doflamingo says, get a grip. Human trafficking is so yesterday's news. It's all about the smiles now. You understand? I'm giving the shop to you. You're on your own now, so don't be calling me anymore. The smiles. What does that even mean? And Disco is like, I can't believe that you would just abandon me when things are this bad. To which Disco is, to which Doflamingo is like, God, you are still so whiny. I don't even know why I keep talking to you. This is not my problem. And I didn't fuck it all up. This is your bad luck or bad management or whatever. And we're about to like go into a new era and I'm not going to be like stressing myself out with old shit. And I've, he says, I've been ordered to active duty by the Navy. And as he says this, we cut to see him literally on a beach in sunglasses, like sipping on a drink. And he says the white beard pirates are going to versus the seven warlords of the sea. And he is delighted. He is laughing his head off as he says this. And Disco seems very upset. So we go back outside the amphitheater and the Marines are holding back all of these, you know, folks who have been hanging around outside. Frankly, they should all just go home. There's no need to be here. Any of you, this is about to get way too dangerous. And the Marines are setting up all of these cannons around the outside of the perimeter. And, one of the Marines assures him that, uh, that like there are some backup coming. I think he's, he says something about the admirals. I'm trying to find the spot. Here it is. Any updates from HQ Admiral Kizaru is on his way, but they're bringing in the special Vanguard. That's what he says. Um, so apparently it was not expected to him that they were going to mobilize. And I'm not sure if he's like upset because he seems upset by it not 
oh, this is about to go down, he's got a real like, oh, man, we may be screwed sort of vibe. And I'm like, is it just that the admirals don't really discriminate when they lay waste to a place? And if you're anywhere near them, you get killed? Like, I just was wondering why he had the reaction he did. And I'm really curious to find out more about that. Um, This is the point where... Rayleigh gets the collar off of Kami. All's well that ends well. And they start talking about hockey. And Hachi says, I've heard about it, but I've never seen it used before. And here it is. Oh, hi. I didn't know there were other pirates there as well. You must be all quite strong to withstand something like that with no trouble. That's when he says it. Okay. Because I was just like, what? I, I totally missed that part. Um, Seraphim says, as noted, all the admirals have code names of a color animal. Kizaru is yellow. Kizaru is yellow monkey. Ah, yellow monkey. I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit not awesome about that. I'm going to let it go. But I'm just saying... Um, so kid is very excited and calls him the dark king and says, you're a legend, old man. You know what? He doesn't say the dark king. He just says dark king. There's no the. It's very hard for me to get used to that. It just feels like there should be a the, you know? And for his part, Rayleigh is like, "Mm -mm, don't call me that here. I retired. This is where I live as Ray and I coat people's ships and I just want to have a chill life. And I'm like, you do not want a chill life. I know you say that, but sir, you keep getting yourself into gambling debts and allowing yourself to be sold into slavery so that you can steal money and get yourself out of the debt so that you can go get back into debt. That is not a cool, chill life. It's just not. Um, so he says, uh, to Luffy, I appreciate you saving my friend here. And as for me wanting to meet you, I'm going to save that for later. First, we've got to get out of here. And we get another look at everybody like, you know, on the outside of this building. And it seems like pretty much now most of the folks that are out there are Marines but the it, it, because like the fighting that happens later you don't see any civilians caught up in it so this is when law and kid are essentially like all right well it looks like we are about to get into a big fucking fight and i have no problem with that Let's go ahead and get into this fucking fight. As for Rayleigh, he says that he's used up all of his power for the day, which it's good to know that there is a limit to this. He helped Kaylee or not Kaylee, Kami. He helped her by knocking out that dude who was going to strike her or no, put the collar on her. Which is funny because they put the collar on her anyway. So it didn't really seem to do any good in the long run. And then he 
knocks out the celestial dragon who's about to shoot her. And then he uses hockey to get the collar off her. And he uses hockey to put down like all of the people in the room. So I'm not really mad about this because that's a lot. He's pulled off like a bunch of things today and it doesn't feel to me like it's an unreasonable limit. You know, I do wish I had known about the limit beforehand just for my own information. But I think having a cap on how much you can do is a good thing. Um, so at this point, kid is like, Hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fucking deal with these guys all by myself. And of course, Law and Luffy are just like, no, we're going to come out too. And they argue the whole way out as they like come up, come upon the Marines. And uh, each of them is trying to tell the others to go back inside because they have it handled. And we get a really fun, fun fight section because the powers that these guys have are truly wild. So the first thing I want to mention is Law's bizarre power of apparently like being able to disconnect people from their body. He takes this guy's head and and leaves his body like he's not dead. The guy's body, we find out later, is still running around. But it's not his head is in law's hands and he just sort of tosses it around a lot and is able later to put the different parts. Uh, let's see Seraphim. Sorry guys, you guys are chatty today. So I'm missing some of it. Um, Rayleigh says he doesn't want to be identified, which is why he isn't going to use his power. I'm not sure what the dub says, but he isn't out of power. Oh, I could have sworn that was what he said. Seraphim says he said he used it up. I thought in the sub he just said he didn't want to use it, not that he couldn't. Maybe I misunderstood that. I really thought he said, like, that's about it for me today. Um, I'm going to go just to that moment real quick and see because he's like climbing the stairs as he says it. So I know the spot. Uh, sorry guys. I'm just, I'm just really curious because if it is a different thing, I want to know because I was like interested in the fact that there was a cap on it. So if it isn't what I thought, then let's see. Um, they've got us cornered from every angle. Boss, is there a plan? All right, you criminals release the Rosewald family. I think Rosewald is how you say it. Uh, and then we go back inside. Don't blame us for whatever happens, you rookies. And we get to see each of the captains looking pretty stoked because they are about to go into it. Why is the Navy, Navy treating us like accomplices? We're just innocent bystanders. Um, I'd rather avoid fighting an admiral. And this is when Rayleigh says, Sure, but if you're expecting me to help, I've used my power enough today. It's all up to you now. Oh, I'll use my power. En I've used my power enough. I thought he said up. It'll be hard for me to stay if the Navy discovers who I am. Okay, so it's it, like 
there isn't the cap that I, there may be a cap. It's just not something that we have reached yet. Okay. That makes sense. I really like, they know who he is already. He's, he's saying, I'm not going to help you because I want to keep a low profile. But we saw when we were with Luffy's grandfather, he is fully aware of who Rayleigh is and what he can do. So I'm sorry to tell you this, Rayleigh, but your cover is already blown. Um, but anyway, so back to the whole thing with Law cutting people apart and reattaching them their pieces in different ways. But it is a real wild power. It's like he can do what Buggy the Clown can do to himself, but to other people. And I really enjoy Luffy making his like fingers into a net and catching all of these cannonballs. And he catches pretty much all of them. One of them sort of spins out of control and heads toward them and they get so pissy about it. And I'm like, he just stopped all of those cannonballs. I feel like he deserves a pass. It's okay. Um, the two of them are extremely weirded out I think is the only way to say this by Luffy's power he being able to stretch like they have the repel power that's I, we don't hear like what fruit they ate but repel is what kid keeps doing and then eventually he does attract and it pulls all of these weapons to him which he like turns into giant hands and arms and sort of it's a weird looking like he he can turn himself into kind of shrapnel out of the other weapons that have been dropped um but yeah the fact that like one of them can disconnect people's body parts and has the nerve to call luffy's ability weird i was like sir I don't know where you get off, but your power is a whole lot weirder than stretching. A whole lot weirder. And the way that he does it, he expands this like bubble and it's as if they are all, everybody who is like caught under this sort of roof of the bubble, the effect of cutting them apart happens to all of them. And I can't tell if you could just put the pieces back together like you just stick them together and, and we're good and everything goes back to normal. Or if you put them back together and they can still like fall apart or you know what I'm saying? It's just such a weird ability. And when he puts them together incorrectly, one of them at one point yells to his friend, you've got two chests. And I don't know why, but that in particular was, was so funny. Um, so the two of them teamed up with Luffy. Like we have got some pretty dope fighting here. And a lot of the Marines, like there's uh one of the guys that's like out there seeing this keeps being kind of impressed by this. And I think it's the other captain who just keeps being like, this is no time to be impressed guys. What are you doing? We've got to focus. But when you get your head ripped off my body, and then stuck onto somebody else's leg. So you're just a leg and a head. I feel like you get to be a little bit impressed by that. Um, 
this is when Kid does the giant fists made of like weapons that have been pushed together and punches all of them, which is more like he's done a huge wrecking ball or something. Uh, this is when Rayleigh says, wow, these rookies are actually pretty good. But everybody else who's come outside is like, I can't believe that they already got started and they're this far along. And after doing all of these really badass things and handling a lot of the Marines in the immediate vicinity, when the camera pulls back, we see Luffy standing next to Law and Kid, and he is so small that it prompts Law to tell him, hey, uh, what's up with that, dude? Because that's not really a cool finish. And I love Luffy looking at him with total earnestness and saying, it isn't? <laughs> I don't know why that got me, but the fact that Luffy is willing to engage with, like, true curiosity and just be like, uh, why not? I don't know. Yeah, I'm small, but I still did the badass thing. It's fine. So... Then we see everybody posed standing on the steps as the Marines are like, oh, damn, we just dealt with these three and they were kind of a handful. And now we've got all of these others. Some of them don't have powers. So I guess those are the ones that we should probably focus on. Meanwhile, they are evacuating the dragons out through the back doors and I was extremely disappointed, guys. I was sort of hoping that we were just going to, like, keep the dragons under our own protections, the wrong word, custody. I really wanted to have them as further leverage. That's what I'm saying. Um, so the fact that they're getting carried out, I have to assume we're going to see their asses again, like, alive and well. And I am not excited because they suck so fucking bad there is a nice moment here where luffy law and kid are standing next to each other and kid says i'm on your side right now but don't think i'm gonna go easy on you later and luffy says all right that's fine but i'm still gonna be the one who gets the one piece which we find out is a particular like soft spot for kid. Not that he's like pissed at Luffy for saying it, but that he hasn't met many people who take the legend of the one piece seriously anymore. And it turns out that he is like said that they were looking for it and people have laughed at him. And every time he says, I slaughtered everyone who even snickered. What lies ahead is a sea of death and everyone thinks the one piece is something to laugh at. Um, a sea of death for those who think the one piece is something to laugh at. So he seems really excited about the fact that Luffy is taking this shit seriously and appears to have grown in respect due to this. We don't really get anything from law on that front whether or not he thinks that this is like a real thing. It's just kid. This is when we get one of kids backups. His, this dude has a weird sort of like zombie ish look to him with the stitches across his mouth and everything. And he 
breathes fire. This guy is crazy looking. Like, I, I'm fascinated by him. And I feel like he could have been a main dude. No problem. Uh, this is when Law says Beppo. And Beppo just swoops in out of nowhere. And he does the like, oh, like standing on one foot kind of thing. Captain, are you going back inside already? As these dudes are standing out there like, oh, my God, are we fighting a bear? Is this really happening? For his part, Law is going up to this giant dude who's chained and had been the sort of, I don't even know, pet is really the word I want to use for the celestial dragons like on the way in. He also has a strange symbol on his forehead that sort of reminds me of the one on Hachi's forehead. But uh, he is sitting there just seemingly like I can't tell if he's chained in place. He's definitely got manacles like on his wrists and stuff. But Hachi or not Hachi. I'm sorry. Uh, Law comes up to him and is like, hey, bruh, um, what do you say you throw him with me? And he's surprised for a second. But he's looking at the Marines that are heading their way. And is like, you know what, if you are, uh, if you are willing to take me on and be my captain, then yeah, anything is better than slavery. I had used to be a captain myself, so it's a step down, but I'll take it. And he stands up and just sweeps his arm and takes out like four Navy guys in one shot. It's nothing to him. He is gigantic uh so i'm glad that we got to see him freed as well um and when he thanks law law very graciously extends some of the credit to this toward luffy and is just like look it's not it's not all me straw hat kid was behind a lot of this as well our friends meanwhile have gotten onto some of these uh flying fish bikes and are flying away and we get this moment you guys i can't duval is still riding this like very slow bull looking creature and the sadness on his face because they are moving so slowly is so like it made me just want to pat his little head and give him a lollipop. He just looked so embarrassed and so sad about it. And uh, this is when Frankie is like, hmm, maybe we should figure out something else. Duval, uh, not Duval, sorry, Kid is walking away with a bunch of his dudes. And just as he's saying, we need to get the hell out of here. There's a strike that seems to come out of nowhere and he stops dead and looks up and Kuma is here and he is focused. And all of them seem really surprised to see him here, which I thought was surprising because they know admirals are coming. So the, did they have like a particular admiral in mind and they thought that he was like the only one? They just all seem very startled and I'm like, y'all knew this was coming, didn't you? Um... But yeah, Kuma is like doing a lot of posing toward the end of this episode and just looking intimidating. But uh, the 
the whole vibe of him is menace, you know? He does, Kid pulls like the weapons to himself again and has these two giant arms. He's yelling to Law not to get involved. And I don't think that Law quite realizes that Kuma is there. Um, not immediately. And then he realizes and is like, oh, that dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he yells out, I suggest you let us pass through. And he pulls up one of those like white rings that I think make a room where he can disconnect people's body parts. And the episode basically ends on the two of them, Kid and Law, facing off with Kuma. And the the fight hasn't started yet, but they are both ready for it. So I'm going to have to wrap up. And I just, you guys, this is a really weird arc. This is a really weird one. I don't know what to make of this. I'm really interested and I like it. And I really like the addition of all of these other captains and I love them kind of being on our side for a little while. But yeah, where are we going with this? And how many other celestial dragons are there? Like the whole celestial dragons thing, I want to be more defined. So I'm curious about it. Oh, Gus says Kuma is a warlord, not an admiral. Oh, okay. I'm getting everybody all mixed up. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, all right, kids. Wrapping. Until next time. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. Spoiled Network Podcast.